Welcome back to the Security Conversations podcast. My guest this week is Yoav Leidesdorf, Managing Partner at YL Ventures. Uh, Yoav, tell me, what is YL Ventures? How long have you guys been in business? Uh, you know, what's the size of the fund? What's the, the sure. elevator pitch? Well, it's great to be here, Ryan. Thanks very much for hosting me. Um, Wild Ventures is a early stage venture capital firm that's focused primarily on cybersecurity and mostly Israeli entrepreneurs uh, coming out of Israel looking to uh, be very successful in the in the US. Uh, we've been around for 11 years. Um, so we were founded in 2007. Uh, we manage $135 million uh, in capital. Our current fund is our fund from last year. It's our third fund, and it's a $75 million fund. And um, really, um, the way our, our business is focused is really uh, at helping um, seed stage entrepreneurs who are, again, primarily starting out of Israel, um, make it in the U.S. market in terms of um, you know getting to customers, distribution partners, follow-on investors, hires, um, we're based in Silicon Valley, where we have three people. We also have another 10 people in Tel Aviv. Uh, I, I, I lead the firm. I'm the managing partner, and I am based in Silicon Valley. And really, we spend uh, about 80% of our time uh, working with our, or with our existing entrepreneurs, the ones who are in the portfolio, in basically conquering the market. In, um, yeah. Yeah, you mentioned seed funds uh, primarily focused in Israel. How do you define seed? Uh, is there like a uh, an average deal size for uh, for what you call seed investment? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it really changes by sector, and about eighty percent of what we do is cybersecurity. Um, and in cybersecurity, the seed rounds uh, tend to be, I'd say, in the three to five million dollar range, which is quite high. Um, and it is high because um, cybersecurity startups are expected to raise their A rounds when they have um, uh, a real product uh, with real customers and real revenues um, and some significant traction out, out there in the marketplace. Um, and so to get to that level, you really need a few million dollars um, for, for research and development, for marketing for sales for your go-to-market yeah so by the time they get to see their a product is already in place and this is just building out sales and marketing a little bit of r&d and, and just trying to get the ship sailing well that that's well um their product is ready and and they've got customers and revenues by the time they get to series a which is the stage after us uh we we, we focus on seed um so you know again three to five million dollars when we're investing there's really just the founding team, uh, uh, a plan in terms of what you know problem they're gonna they're gonna tackle, you know where they're gonna try to build a solution, um, and there's an addressable market, you know a market that um, that they think they're addressing and that we buy into. Uh, but at the time of our investment, there's there's no ready product, there are no paying customers. Um, that's actually the aim for uh, the next round, the A round, which typically happens. 12 to 18 months um, after our seed round. And in our case, uh, the A rounds are typically led by um, other US-based venture capital firms that we know, that we're close to, and that we appreciate, um, who are uh, you know, just as much about uh, uh, value add to our portfolio companies as, as we are. Um, so that's, you know, 
that that kind of gives you a uh, a flavor for the stage. I, I do also want to say that uh, within our strategy, uh, we we invest uh, I'd say between 80 and 90 percent of that seed round. Um, so of a um, you know of a four million dollar seed round, we might be writing a check of 3.6 million dollars, and then leaving uh, you know the final 10 percent for some uh, value add angels again that we're close to that we think can. Uh, can really provide value to the companies. For example, former entrepreneurs of ours or folks who are part of our insiders network, there's a bunch of uh, folks who are Wild Ventures insiders um, or Wild Ventures venture advisors who can uh, co-invest uh, with us in, the, in these deals and, and provide value add from, the, from their side. Cybersecurity in general is very, very hot right now. In fact, there's you know Twitter commentary about us heading into bubble stage. What's really interesting to me is that uh, cybersecurity companies coming out of Israel is, is even hotter. I think it's, uh, it's our statistic that Israel is uh, number two behind the U.S. in terms of taking in VC investments. Why, why is Israel such a hotbed for uh, uh, security? Why are we seeing so much activity coming out of this small place? Sure, and Wild Ventures tracks all of this uh, all the time. In fact, uh, every January we uh, post uh, in TechCrunch, you can look it up, um, what we call the State of the Cyber Nation Report, which tracks um, uh, Israeli venture activity uh, and startup activity in cybersecurity. And indeed, um, you know, that, that activity uh, just keeps uh, increasing. For example, uh, from a year from a year ago till um, until last January, uh, we basically saw a massive increase in the sizes of the rounds, um, uh, seed rounds, A rounds, etc. Uh, they all became larger, uh, which, which is which is all a testament to what you're saying, which is um, you know the sector is very hot, especially in Israel. Now Israel is the number two um, originator in the world uh, for cybersecurity startups. Uh, the U.S. is number one. Israel is number two, and that's, of course, a little shocking given that Israel is only about eight and a half million people uh, compared to the 300 million or so in the U.S. Um, the reason that Israel has so many cybersecurity startups is because uh, Israel is a very defense-oriented uh, country. Um, Israel does have a lot of enemies all around. Uh, the army is uh, very developed, and uh, within the army, cybersecurity is, is one of the uh, key areas for investment. And so there are several units in the Israeli military, mostly within the intelligence um, side of the house, um, uh, you know, some of them are very famous. For example, A200 is is uh, kind of wo known worldwide as a intelligence unit that focuses on offensive and de defensive cyber. Um, and so, I, I would say 75-80% uh, of the entrepreneurs in our portfolio come uh, out of uh, one of those intelligence units in the army. Uh, most of them have had some uh, practical, or I, I should say, um, you know. Well, I shouldn't say practical. Um, their 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 military their military experience is, is extremely practical. They um, they learn everything they need to know about cyber um, in the military. Uh, there's military education, and then uh, they get practical experience in the military um, uh, to uh, basically practice those skills. Um, but and military service is mandatory as well, right? For 
everyone? Yeah, it is. It's 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 at least three years for for men, and uh, at least uh, I think two and a half years for for women, or two and three quarters. Um, but most of our entrepreneurs, they get uh, you know their education and practical experience in cyber in cyber in the army, and then they spend several years after the army um, in co- in a commercial environment, for example, in another startup or a multinational like an RSA or an Israeli uh, security company like Checkpoint, uh, kind of honing their skills. And we typically meet them uh, sort of at their thir- in their 30s um, after they've had a lot of. Uh, business experience as well as military experience uh, in cyber. And that's when they're primed to go out and start a company. And many of them uh, go out and and start new companies at that stage. So you're saying that the real world security culture, uh, a country that that treats security almost like as an existential issue, really lends itself to uh, security in cyber? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in the last, uh, let's say in the last 20 years, it's been uh, very much an increasing trend. Uh, more and more funding, in, more and more military funding, defense funding has gone, has gone to cyber warfare. Um, and that's, and that's certainly the, you know, the highest growth uh, frontier. And uh, that's getting a lot of uh, investment, which, which translates into thousands of, of, um, of, of cyber graduates uh, f- from, the, from the defense forces every year. And that ends up feeding, you know, the startup ecosystem over there. You're based in Silicon Valley, so you're obviously familiar with the culture here in the U.S. around entrepreneurship. Is there a major difference between, you know, what an entrepreneurial culture looks like here versus Israel? Is, would, would you say there are any stark differences you can point to? So, so Israel is actually quite similar to Silicon Valley uh, in, in terms of the entrepreneurial culture. I see a lot of, a lot of the common, common threads there. Uh, what I would say, though, for Israel is that it is, uh, it feels like a smaller place. Um, um, I always say that uh, the Israeli entrepreneurial community is, is all, you know, one degree of separation. Essentially, um, um, every person can get to every other person uh, very easily, um, usually without an intro, even cold, cold emails, cold calls. Um, uh, all get answered. Um, so it's 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 actually a very um, um, sort of an unofficial uh, kind of uh, laid back uh, mentality where where everyone can get in touch with everyone else, uh, very flat uh, hierarchically, um, and very open. Um, so that's that's definitely a bit of a difference from 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 Silicon Valley. Um, but other than that, you know, in terms of uh, the availability of capital. Um, uh, the uh, the mentorship and the the help uh, from one entrepreneur to another. I mean that that's you know things that you see uh, in the valley as well. I will say another difference is that Israel has three times the um, uh, investment per capita as the United States. Actually, Israel is number one in the world, uh, about 20 times as much as Europe uh, or 20 times as much as China as well in terms of how much startup investment is per, per capita so so actually the availability of capital is is uh is even greater than the united states which which sectors would you say are incredibly hot right now something you're itching to get into and specifically how are you cutting through the hype around like some of these uh, uh industries that are getting funded uh, left and right I, whether it's iot or something related to blockchain or smart contracts uh can you give me a sense of what you're seeing 
in terms of areas that are ripe for investment and how do you as an as, as a VC really keep your you know nose to the wheel and, and, and avoid getting caught up in these heavily hyped sectors? Yeah, so um, we're constantly evaluating and reevaluating the um, the sectors where we want to look for investments. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'd say a year, year and a half ago, we were spending a lot of time looking at drone technologies, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality technologies, and, and actually today we're doing less of that. Um, and we're spending uh, almost all of our time in cybersecurity in uh, some other areas of enterprise software, for example, some areas of cloud computing, um, uh, things like serverless technology, specific areas that are interesting for us within enterprise software. And then we also look at automotive quite quite a lot. And actually our most recent investment, which is still not announced, is in the automotive space. Um, So we look at, you know, self-driving cars technologies and, and other safety, you know, safety elements of that. Um, we, we also, uh, separately from a couple, three years ago, have an automotive cybersecurity um, investment called Caramba Security, uh, which matched up with our security focus very well, but also kind of kick-started our, our automotive uh, focus. Um, I think that um, you know the way we stay focused is by matching up uh, the best and brightest that we can find in Israel um, with uh, those fast and growing, uh, fast growing and accelerating uh, markets in the U.S. Whenever we find a match, for example, in cybersecurity, there's a really good match. Um, that's when we kind of dig deeper. Um, and um, I, I should have mentioned earlier. Um, Almost all of our entrepreneurs, uh, the Israeli entrepreneurs that we invest in, almost all of them end up moving to the U.S. and had, you know, running their companies from the U.S. and it could be anywhere in the U.S. Um, and so, you know, we, we're basically, you know, the, the way we stay focused is really by looking at this link between um, the Israeli talent pool, uh, mostly on the engineering side. And then the U.S. Uh, market opportunities, and when we see that there is this sort of, you know, supply and demand match, that's where we go deeper and and look to invest. One of the things uh, uh, young entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs talk about here in the U.S. is, uh, you know, a VC's insistence on betting on people, betting on an entrepreneur who's done it before, and it's very very difficult for newer guys to get in. Um, it, it, is that a is that fair? Is that a legitimate thing uh, that uh, VCs like you are much more comfortable betting on someone who's done it before or, or, or someone who's a serial entrepreneur versus a true uh, uh, wet behind the ear green uh, company founder? Yeah. So I hear that all the time, and a lot of our peers uh, certainly try to reduce risk. I mean, we're all in the risk business, and we're trying to make investments that have the lowest amount of risk but the highest amount of upside. Um, A lot of firms try to reduce risk by investing in folks who have done it before, which at least uh, takes away some execution risk. Um, You know, those folks probably have a healthy network. Um, we're actually not like that. So um, the vast majority of the teams that we've backed in the last 11 years are first-time entrepreneurs. This is not their second startup. This is their first startup. Now, it doesn't mean that these people are inexperienced. Uh, on the contrary, you know, most of our entrepreneurs are in their late 30s, I would say, or even early 40s. 
Um, so these are folks that have been uh, executives in other firms, um, have a lot of experience from the military, um, have already have a lot of management experience, um, and are now basically taking their, their plunge into entrepreneurship. So we really value, we can evaluate, you know, people's backgrounds uh, uh, that are not necessarily entrepreneurial. Uh, we can value, we can, we can appreciate that background. Uh, we can apply it into whatever um, you know risk model we have in in evaluating people. Um, I'll tell you one other thing also is that sometimes uh, serial entrepreneurs um, uh, might not be as hungry as first-time entrepreneurs. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes they're a little bit more uh, relaxed in terms of uh, you know their their tenaciousness and persistence in in attacking the market. They might be. You know, some of them might 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 be a little too comfortable uh, uh, to um, you know to run a startup. Now that, right. that there's no, the level of desperation is not there. Yeah, or or you know, I think I think in many in many cases it is it is there, but in also in many cases it's not there. So you know, some serial entrepreneurs are just as hungry as first-time entrepreneurs, but but there are some some serial entrepreneurs that that are just a little bit too comfortable because they have had success already. Um, and we certainly want to stay away from those situations. How do you spot that, though? Oh well, that's uh, you know, they, oftentimes they say that that VC is more art than science. I will tell you that um, evaluating people is about eighty percent of our uh, of our um, uh, deal sourcing work. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about. Uh, what we call value add, which is which is helping existing portfolio companies, that that is eighty percent of our of our work. But when you look at our deal sourcing, you know, just just when finding, looking for, and finding deals, I would say eighty percent of that piece uh, is is evaluating people. And so, I mean, it's something that um, you learn over time. You build you build processes, methodologies, but at the end of the day, uh, it's it's a muscle that you train. Mm -hmm. um, and so. You know, I'd like to think that um, you know the the, pe the people that are working with me, as as well as myself, you know, we're we're kind of ho we're honed we we've honed in those those skills for many years, um, and you know, we evaluate folks on many different levels, and at the end of the day, we're we're betting on 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 the jockeys, uh, not on the horses. We're betting on the on the on the managers, not not the underlying business. That's that's how we feel. Right, and imagine a lot of that just comes with experience. Uh, one of the things someone told me to ask you or asked me uh, to bring up on this podcast is uh, there apparently is a noticeable surge in women founders uh, in Israel. And it's it's rather noticeable. Is that accurate? Can you give me a sense of what you're seeing around um, diversity there as it relates specific, not necessarily uh, women in cybersecurity or getting jobs in cybersecurity, but, but female founders uh, uh coming to the table yes yeah, so again um, you know to point you to our, our most recent uh, state of the cyber nation report uh, which was published in TechCrunch uh, last January and there uh, is the data where we saw an uptick uh, basically we saw um, a higher percentage um, of, uh, of founding teams specifically in security that included at least uh, one female founder um, and that's and, and that's the first time we've ever seen uh, such an uptick. Uh, of course, we're we're thrilled about it. Um, uh, it's a very very positive development. Uh, but at the same time, it's 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 just one year that we've seen this this phenomenon, and we we're just hoping uh, 
that there's that more and more of that. That it's a trend. And and I would say in a firm, uh, we're mostly women actually. Um uh in, in all levels of, 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 of positions. Not not in the partner level. We're only two partners. Um I, I'm I'm a man and my, my partner Ofer Schreiber is a gentleman as well. Uh, but already at the principal level, uh, uh, we, we have a woman, and, uh, and, and again, most, most of the people at our firm uh, are women. So we're, you know, we're big believers, and we're, we're hopeful that um, women, women will make up more of, uh, of the cybersecurity industry. Are you, do you chalk that up, this, this, this little surge that you've noticed last year, do you chalk that up to very much the same things we talked about earlier in the podcast that these people uh, uh, women are coming through the same kind of uh, uh, preparation through the military, through uh, 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 not necessarily internships, but uh, through stints at, say, the checkpoints and some of the other big cybersecurity yeah. companies. Is it very much the same? Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no difference. Uh, th- those, those military units um, uh, take in uh, 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 women just, just the same. Uh, I, th- I, I, I would hope that they have. You know the same objective uh, criteria for men and women. I know there 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 are quite a lot of women graduates of of these units, um, and and those women uh, go on to work um, uh, at at at, um, at the cybersecurity companies or other other companies, enterprise software, etc. Um, and then and then many of them now now an increasing number of them uh, go off to to form new companies. All right, last question um, and. You know, when I talk to VC guys like you, you're always, um, you know, passionate and talking about some of those uh, big hits, companies and investments that you're most proud of. I wanted to ask you about the other side of it. Uh, when investments don't pan out, can you give me a walkthrough as it relates to cybersecurity? Some of the hits and misses, some of the investments you're most proud of and some that didn't pan out that uh, that maybe helped guide lessons for, for future investments. So actually, um, in 11 years of investing, we, we only had one write-off. So we only had one company go, go bad. Um, uh, that's it, just one. Um, and, um, you know, what went on with that company, uh, m- mostly we failed because we were uh, targeting consumers for cybersecurity. We were trying to sell security to consumers, v- very much like many of the um, antivirus um, companies do. Uh, but we, um, you know, we were protecting websites uh, and other things that, you know, the more more advanced consumers might have. Uh, but consumers uh, didn't really care for security and didn't want to pay for security, and so, you know, we we couldn't get we couldn't get that product off off the ground. Um, I want to point out, other than you know, I want to point out that all of our companies um, so far uh, have have also never pivoted. So. You know, the idea that they came to us with when they raised their seed round uh, has, has stayed the same um, and has basically been the, the basic idea for whatever they're doing now or for whatever, whatever they're, they've been doing at the, the time of exit. You know, so we sold uh, six, seven, eight companies. I, I can't recall the exact number, but, but all the ones that we've sold, uh, basically we're doing, um, we're following the same mission and vision when they were sold as when they started. The one interesting pivot that I was a witness, um, uh, that I did witness was actually a pivot that happened before our investment, a company called Twistlock, which um, today is the leader in uh, virtual container security or Docker security. Um, so those 
those founders who are now uh, massively successful with this idea actually originally came came to us with a with a really terrible idea about six months uh, before they came up with the container security idea. So they had a within security they had an, an idea in DLP in data loss prevention, um, which was which was just uh, you know that was a small market. They were uh, really doing the same thing that that a whole bunch of other folks were doing, and we we told them at that meeting. Um, you know, you really should go back to the drawing board. You guys are really great, uh, very accomplished, good, good entrepreneurs. But you gotta, you know, go back and 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 find something else to do. And sure enough, they came back six months later with this uh, incredible idea, which ended up uh, spawning this 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 amazing company. Um, and that that was an interesting uh, pivot for me to to witness. Uh, last question: Is there a company uh, that uh, you had a chance to invest in and you passed uh, that you regret? Uh, well, yeah, there certainly is. Uh, is, uh, is that is something that happens very place. often? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, there, there's um, there are two different types of losses, and I only care about one of those types. Okay, um, the the first type is is basically when when as an investor when you when you pass on on a, on a company uh, that that ultimately ends up uh, doing very well and you're sorry for not having invested you know that's actually the type of losses that I that I don't really care about or that I don't worry about the ones that I really worry about is when we actually do invest and the investment goes bad which like I said earlier you know only happened to us once so far but um, every time I'm making an investment decision, whether to invest or not to invest, I'm only thinking about that type two. I'm not thinking about the type one, uh, which ultimately means that there will be a lot of misses. Um, there will be a lot of companies that you know we should have invested and we we didn't uh, because of you know the way we uh, we want to avoid risk. We're we're essentially focusing on let's let's not make bad investments. Right. So um, you're not losing sleep over those. That that's right. And not not at all. All right. Thank you very much, Joav. Really, really appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything. Thank you.